moment. Let me pray as we begin. Father, I ask uh, that you would be at work among us this morning. Father, I pray that you would make us aware of your Spirit's work in us and through us. And Father, that you'd be working even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I want to get into um, this passage in verses 5 through 11. Um, but let me, just, let me just start with a... Ooh, hold on. Don't want to trip over that. There we go. Okay. Um, let me just start with a, a, a story, a situation that I experienced once that really kind of baffled me at the time. And what, it, what happened is, well, first of all, let me just say last week, um, Mark spoke on the idea that, we, that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, kind of focusing on verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. And uh, what happened is I was teaching a Bible study to my, well, to my mother who had just become a Christian, okay? So this was um, kind of, it's kind of exciting, scary to be teaching your mother, but um, she, she was really excited and growing in her faith at the time. And I, I, I kind of was um, with a group of friends and said, anybody want to go with me? And a friend went with and we, we went to my mother's house and we had this great Bible study in which we were exploring forgiveness and very much Romans 8 verse 1 type of stuff. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then we went, after that, all, after that um, we went back to my, to my friend's house where a bunch of my friends were. And as we were walking in the door, the friend that had gone with me um, was, was, was with me and, he, and another friend said, hey, what'd you learn? And he said, I learned that I can sin all I want and God will forgive me, right? And here's the thing. At the time, my heart just sank, right? Because I thought, I started, immediately I started thinking back through. Did I, was I faithful to scripture? Did I, like was there, did I present the forgiveness of God wrongly that he could take God for granted like that? Like I was kind of going back over everything I had said and everything that we'd looked at, the scripture that we'd looked at and, uh, and thought, you know, God, I was really um, burdened by the idea, what if I had steered this guy wrongly? And, and I was thinking about it, thinking, well, no, I was pretty faithful to scripture, actually. What I said was right. And, and I asked my friend Scott about it at the time, and he, and he said, and his response very simply was, some people have ears to hear. Some people have ears to hear. See, how can the message of forgiveness in one person cause deep thankfulness, wonder, and a resolve to live for God, while in another person give them a license to sin or an opportunity to take God for granted? See, what I'm putting my finger on here at the beginning is there can be a, there's, there's essentially a spiritual shift that happens like it's, it's talked about in John chapter 3, a spiritual birth. There's, there's a, a shift that happens when you become a Christian. Now this can get complicated in that you can have, we, we, will have, we will naturally have people that are part of our church that aren't actually, that might be good at doing all the Christian stuff, but aren't actually Christians deep down. And that's scary, and I, I don't want you to be scared by that. If, if you have any doubt this morning, just know that actually Christ is ready to receive you even today. Um, and so if you look in your heart and you think it's not right, come to God, okay? But there's a spiritual shift that happens. And Jesus talked about this several times. 
He said, for example, that it was like, in Matthew 25, he said it was like sifting goats and sheep, that at the end of time, they would be separated. Or it was like harvesting wheat and tares, because essentially tares are are weeds, and if you pull the tares out too early, you'll damage the wheat. But at the end of time, they're separated, like at a harvest. Or um, that it was like letting down a net to catch fish. And you'll catch fish that you want and things you don't want all at the same time, and you've got to separate them. And so, essentially, what I want to put my finger on to begin here is that there is a shift that happens when we're saved. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. And for some of us, this shift is obvious. For some of us, it happened, but we don't know when. Like, I'm told the change is more difficult for those that weren't, if you were raised as a Christian, that it's more difficult to figure out when it might have happened. Um, I was teaching some youth on this, like, a long time ago, and there was, there was a boy who was really uh, um, complicated by this, a teenager, and he was really complicated by the idea because he had grown up as a Christian, and to him, there was no difference between him and a non-Christian. Like, he couldn't really see anything. And anyways, um, so, so he was wrestling over that. Fast forward a little bit, and we, went, and we went to the mall, and we were doing street evangelism. Okay? This was kind of scary stuff. You know, just among teenagers, we were, we were going up to, so I had teenagers with me, and we would go up to random people, and we'd say, and we'd talk to them about Jesus. Okay? That's, that's scary. Um, and... He was too scared to, to talk, but he was happy to go with me, right? And so we go up to this guy in the mall, and we start talking to him about faith. And um, what, was, what was weird is for the teenager that was with me, the person we were talk to, talking to was like the mirror image of himself, except the person that we were talking to wasn't a Christian, and what happened is, is he all of a sudden, through all these questions and the conversation that, was ha- that we were having, he was realizing what he had as a Christian that this person didn't have. A sense of purpose, a sense of knowing that there's a God that loves you, a sense of forgiveness, a sense of, there's all these things that, that all of a sudden he was just realizing. And he was realizing um, afresh that a shift had happened. He just hadn't, he couldn't figure out when it had happened. And so, if you're a Christian, this shift that's talked about in Romans 8 has happened. As it says in the middle of the passage, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Essentially, there's several things that have happened. And so, in Romans 8, we have two realities that are contrasted. We've got the reality of being apart from Christ where there's condemnation under law, Um, it's the law of sin and death, where we live by the sinful nature, where our mind is set on the desires of the sinful nature that all leads in death. And then we have this other reality that we're invited into, and it's the reality of being in Christ, where there is no condemnation, where we live by the law of the spirit of life, where we live by the spirit, where the mind is set on what the spirit desires and which lands in life and peace. Good stuff. Now, just a little bit of context here. In Romans, we have, um, in, in chapter seven of Romans, the law is mentioned 31 times and the Holy Spirit only once, okay? 
And then in Romans chapter 8, just in the verse, first like 27 verses, the Holy Spirit is referred to 19 times. And so we're going from the, this theme of living under the law and not being able to live up to the law to living by the Spirit of God and being able to fulfill the law because the Spirit of God is working in us and through us. And so there's four shifts. Now, I'm, I'm going to move through these kind of quickly. Because, um, but the first one I'm barely going to touch on. But there's four shifts I want to touch on that are part of what we see here in Romans 8. There's a shift in our state before God. There's a shift in how we live, how we think, and the source of our strength. Now, let me, let me just, first of all, jump into this. First of all, there's a shift in our state before God. Essentially, this is what Mark talked about last week, so I won't say much about it now. But if you are truly a Christian, there is now no condemnation. You have been completely forgiven. It is not based on you. It is based on what Jesus did. It's because of what he did on the cross that the, your sin, past, present, and future, is, and future is forgiven. It, has, it is done. It is finished which is an absolutely beautiful thing. Yeah. And I, I remember as a young Christian um, coming across the significance of Romans 8 um, through C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And in Romans 8 verse 1 where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. I remember just coming back to that verse, like every evening having to confess my sin before God as a young Christian. And again, again and again, coming back to Romans 8, verse 1, and going, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And going, like, God, when I look at myself, I don't believe this, so I want to trust what you say. Because if God says it, that's what matters. And just again and again going, God, help me with this. And so first of all, there's a shift in our state before God. Secondly, there's a shift in how we live. Um, now, actually, before I get into this for a moment, um, let me just, are people okay if I introduce you to a theological term? Come on, you're clever folk, right? All right. Um, it's known as synergism. And the, the, every now and then you'll come across um, debates regarding um, synergistic or synergism in regard to a few different things. Um, one is in regard to salvation. And the idea behind synergism is, how do you tell when something is a work of God and when something's a work of our effort? Okay? So how do those two come together? And so with, in salvation, this is hotly debated because it's clear in Scripture that you cannot be saved if it's not by the Spirit's work. The work of the Holy Spirit is required for anyone to truly become a Christian. That actually, deep down, we are um, so corrupted, or however you want to put it, that actually without the Spirit's help, we can't respond. Like, we're bankrupt. We're helpless. But the Spirit of God is constantly reaching out to people and inviting them and helping them to respond um, to, to God's invitation to salvation. Okay? And so this gets debated. Because some people would say in salvation, and we, we would have both, by the way, we'd have both views probably here right now. Um, some people would say in salvation, it is only a work of God. And, um, and it would be 
um, improper for anyone to think that they have any part in it. And so even where we think that we had a decision, well, actually, if the, the Spirit of God reaches out to you, you respond. There's no question about it. And there would be those of us that think, no, 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 hold on. Yeah, of course the Spirit of God has to help us, but it's also our work at the same time. Like, we have to respond. We have to make a choice. So on the salvation, on the when a person becomes a Christian front, there's, that's debated. This synergism is, is debated in regard to that. I'm not going to focus on that right now. What I want to notice is this is also an interesting one when it comes to how you grow in salvation. Now, I think when, you, when we talk about how you grow in salvation, it's interesting in that I think it is very true that your growth as a Christian is both the work of the Holy Spirit and your effort at the same time. And that's why in Scripture we're often challenged to do different things. Because you need to make decisions yourself, but it's not just you at work, it is also the Holy Spirit. We don't know how they combine, but the two are working together. That's why you can have things like Philippians 1 verse 6, where it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Right? Like that is not your work, that's the work of of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And yet at the same time, what we want to do is we want our effort to line up with the work of the Holy Spirit so that we can grow, so that we're not stopping the Holy Spirit, so we're not hindering the Holy Spirit that's working in us. Okay? So that's synergism. Now when we get to the second shift, the second shift is a shift in how we live. And what's exciting here is that some of this happens without us necessarily even realizing it. And a win for me this morning would be is if you just start to recognize more of what the Holy Spirit's already doing in you. Because if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is at work whether you realize it or not. Okay? And the Holy Spirit wants you to be holy. Let me check this out. In in Romans 8 verse 4, let me read that again. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. We've been completely forgiven in order that we might be holy. And there's both a positional holiness in that we are completely forgiven, but there's also a practical holiness in that we start living differently because of the Spirit of God living in us. Holiness is often treated as an afterthought to Christianity. But instead, what we find in Scripture is that it's integral to what it means to be a Christian as we reflect the beauty of God. We often fall into a wrong view of holiness. And, and I've known some Christians where you look at them and you think, they're, they're very holy people, and you think, but I don't want that. <laughs> right? And that can be a wrong view of holiness. Because actually when you experience proper holiness, it includes things like joy. It includes, right, we need a proper understanding of holiness that comes from God, um, not from judgmental people. And so key to understanding Romans 8 is that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us and accomplish what we in our strength cannot do. Let me just give you an example of this. And again, I'd love... I mean, it's worth, worth thinking about. Where have I seen the Holy Spirit? Where has this happened? Um, this is just a really obvious example for me. When I was 
Um, when I was a, a new Christian, um, I, you know, God changed me in some really exciting ways, but I still had really foul language, okay? And so I remember having some Christian friends saying, boy, you're a Christian now. You can't talk like that, right? <laughs> and, the, uh, um, and I went to work for a construction company that was essentially providing construction materials for, for the industry. And as you can imagine, their language wasn't very good, which doesn't, doesn't really help. But before I went to work for this place, um, God was, the Spirit was working on me on this, and I was really convicted about it because I was thinking, I don't know how to change this, right? I don't think about it. I don't realize it. It just happens. And, and the, the Spirit of God was working on me. And then I started working at this place, and fast forward a few months, and at one point, one of the people I was working with turned to me and said, he was just really, really surprised, and he said, so what's, what's the deal? What's different about you? Why don't you swear like the rest of us do? What was funny to me at the time is I couldn't figure out when the Holy Spirit had done it, right? At some point, I realized it's true. I can't remember the last time I said a swear word, and I, I couldn't remember when the Spirit of God had done it but it was done. And it ended up being a great testimony to these guys that I was working with and, and more things came out of it and, and developed out of that. But um, what's fantastic is that the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead us into holiness. He's called the Holy Spirit because it's good for us, because it's right, because it's healthy, because it's whole, because it's what it means for us to be fully human, because actually, because it's good. Um, we need a full understanding of what holiness means. But first, the, the second shift I want you to see here is there's a shift in how we live. The third shift I want you to see here is there's a shift in how we think. The Holy Spirit makes us able to submit to God's law because it changes the way we think. And we get this especially in verses 5 through 8. Essentially, our mindset expresses our nature. Our mindset has eternal consequences. And our mindset concerns our attitude toward God. And so there's two pictures here. One is where we live by the sinful nature. We have a mind that's set on the desires of the sinful nature. And again, it leads, in it leads to death. Or we live by the Spirit. And the picture here is that if you're a Christian... What happens is, is you live by the Spirit, you have a mind that's set on the Spirit, what the Spirit desires, and it leads to life and peace. Now what I love here is that the Holy Spirit, I think, often likes to work incognito. And so sometimes what I'll find is I've got, I've got a few voices in my head. I've got one voice that is like, you know, um, rule-abiding Sean, and maybe I've got another voice that's just fun and creative and whatever, and every now and then there's another voice. There's, every now and then there's those moments where you go, wait, that's not me. You see, what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth, and so I think often the Holy Spirit is actually guiding us sometimes when we don't even realize it, which is a beautiful thing. If the Spirit of God is living in you, it's, it's natural for us to realize that the Spirit of God is going to affect the way that we think. And knowing that, every now and then there's times where I'm able to go, boy, the way I responded there wasn't my, didn't feel like it was my response. It felt like actually the Spirit of God was working in me and through me in that moment. 
boy, that thought that I had, that might not be from me. That might actually be the Spirit of God. Okay? Now, of course, we can get this wrong. I want to be careful about it. I wouldn't, with stuff like that, go, I wouldn't usually be bold enough to say, this is what God says, you know. But I want you to realize that actually the Spirit of God is helping you to become holy. The Spirit of God is helping you in the way that you think. And then fourthly, there's a shift in the source of our strength because the Spirit enables us. You see, in verse 4, we hear this as as we become holy by living according to the Spirit. In verse 9, it refers to us being controlled by the Spirit. And in verse 11, it refers to the idea that the Spirit will raise us up to eternal life. We have the idea that by the Spirit working in us, the Spirit becomes our strength, our ability to live out the Christian life. Um, I had a really great illustration once for this that was completely ruined. Okay? But let me, let me, let me tell you about the illustration because you'll get it. Okay? Um, I, was, I wanted to illustrate this, and I had, what I did is on, on a stage, I had one of my daughters, and they were very small at the time, and I had a start line, and I had a finish line way over on the other end of the stage. And I thought, well, I'll get someone else up, and I'll, I'll have a race between my daughter and this other person. And I picked um, a, a boy who's very, you know, he's very kind of physically fit. And I loved the contrast between my daughter, who was very young at the time, and this guy, and it was going to be a race. And what they had to do is they each had something to carry, and they had to cross the stage behind, and, and between the one line and the other line, way over there, they couldn't touch the floor with their feet. I thought, okay, that'll be basically impossible. That was the idea I had, right? I was like, I wanted the, um, the physically fit guy who can do anything to go, well, I can't do that. And then what I wanted to do is I wanted to pick up my daughter, and just carry her across the whole way, right? I thought, what a beautiful illustration. Now, again, this is an illustration that was completely ruined because the, um, the guy saw the challenge of it, and I hadn't thought through what he was about to do. So what he did in his own strength, right, is he stuck the thing in his teeth um, and then walked on his hands across the entire stage, did a little flip at the other end, and completely ruined my illustration. However, (laughs) um, properly understood, we can do a lot in our own strength. And yet, in regard to God's law, we will fail. It's not good enough. And we have to be able, the reason I like that illustration, is we have to be able to humble ourselves and almost kind of crawl into our Father's arms and let him carry us. You see, in Romans 8, we get this beautiful picture of the shift that's happened. And for many of us, we we know that we're Christians. We know, but perhaps we haven't realized how much the Holy Spirit's at work. And I'd love to raise our awareness to the Spirit's work in us. There's a shift in our state before God. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's a shift in how we live, how we think, and the source of our strength all connected to letting the Spirit of God work in us. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us with this.
that you'd make us aware of your Holy Spirit, that you'd help us to cooperate with your Holy Spirit. Father, that you might have your way in our lives, in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Brilliant. At this point, we get to...